Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where Koopo Koopo, I mean, yeah, it's Koopo. I, I don't know, I just did it. Um, I'm Void, and I'm here with co-host Beige. Koopo Popo! Perfect. Um, today we're talking about Final Fantasy some more, just like last week. Our hey. last show, if you didn't listen to it yet, extended further than we thought, and we had a ton of show notes left, so instead of make a massive episode, we broke it up here. So we're going to get into part two. If you didn't last, listen last time, it was much more about like an overview of the series and kind of breaking down game by game and a couple general thoughts about that. Tonight, we are going to be talking about a lot of the other things just like series-wide that we wanted to touch on, a lot of our favorites, a lot of our least favorites, um, recommendations, things like that. And then we also asked for listener feedback, and we got a ton. We didn't think we were going to get many. We got a lot of questions, a lot a of comments. Lot. Yeah, so we're going to actually do that as a third episode. So this is going to become our very first three-part episode, and then we'll get back to some other topic. I don't know yet. That's too far ahead. Um, <laughs> that takes planning. Well, we plan, but not that far. Yeah. So that's what's on the docket for tonight. Um, I think we can get into it. So the first thing we want to talk about, just really quickly, without getting too hung up on it, are Final Fantasy sequels and spinoffs, because there are so many spinoffs. I mean, there are games, there's movie, there are anime series. There's, there are mini games, there are apps, there are rhythm games, there are strategy games. It is just insane, just the kind of games that they've created for this. Yeah, and most of them are bad. Like, just... <laughs> yes. I mean, that's the easiest way to say it. They're just straight up not good for the most part. Um, some of them are good. Some of them are okay. Most of them are pretty bad, just overall. And a couple of them are truly excellent, but those are few and far between. Yeah. So, I mean, we have things like um, Advent Children, Dirge of Cerberus, things like Final Fantasy Adventure and Mystic Quest and Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon, Explorers. Like, there are a lot of games that are just not great. They're interesting to talk about, but they're not like good games that you want to really dig into unless you're completely being just like a completionist about the series. Or unless, you know, you're nine years old and you see Final Fantasy Adventure on your Game Boy and you're like, oh, I love the Final Fantasy games. And then you realize that it's, you know, a mana game and they didn't have those in America and you get really disappointed. <laughs> Not that that's happened to me or anything. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. Um, mm -hmm. And then you have other games like Final Fantasy X2, which is or 10 2, I should say. That right. one's actually pretty good. Like, it has a really, really cool system, like, for progression yeah. and battle. It has an awesome system. The story is going to be completely hit or miss, depending on who you are as a person. But, like, yep. the core gameplay is actually very interesting and worth playing through at least once. I actually really like the story, too, going into that. Like, because it wasn't a long narrative, I'm one of the people who really liked the episodic jumping between missions. Yeah, I, I liked some of it uh, the story kind of worked for me kind of didn't it it's such a different tone from final fantasy yeah, 10 it and very it's much a is. direct sequel like it's this j-pop you know three girls on a mission like kind of light and airy like this bad stereotype of girls that yeah, that's is true. taken to an extreme that's the story and that's the part where i'm kind of meh about it I did like where the story ends up in the end. I really like the true ending because it actually adds something to Final Fantasy X. Yeah. And I, I like the gameplay. I, I do like the gameplay of Final Fantasy X too. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed the gameplay more than anything. And then, I mean, we have other things like Final Fantasy XIII too. I tried to get into it. I played maybe six or seven hours and I just, I couldn't do it. It was boring. Lightning Returns, same thing. I didn't even get that far into it. Maybe like three hours, four hours. I got, I got super fed up with that game very quickly. Did you play either of those? I played 13 too for a very little bit before I even played 13. Um, I was kind of let down by it because I didn't even know what the battle system was. And so I jump in and they had made some tweaks to it. And I just didn't like recruiting your monsters and fighting with them in your party. And I watched most of it be played. Austin had played through it. And so I went over to his house one summer and watched a bunch of 13-2 uh, being played. And I like the time travel stuff, but a lot of it didn't make sense in context of even the 13 story, the way that they were tying it together. And then I never played any of like 
Lightning Returns because it looked like it played too much like Majora's Mask, the Legend of Zelda game, and I hated it for having a time limit, and I assumed Lightning Returns was going to be the same way. Yeah, and I'm a sucker for a good time travel story, and I just, I did not like either of those games at all. They both deal with time manipulation in one way. 13 is more of like a time limit, and I mean, uh, Lightning Returns is more of a time limit, and 13.2 is much more time travel back and forth, and neither one really worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, we have spinoffs like Kingdom Hearts. I played Kingdom Hearts and Kingdom Hearts 2, and I loved them yes. both, and I'm excited for Kingdom Hearts 3, but I've played some of the spinoffs, and if you go look up the Kingdom Hearts series, like <laughs> the naming, I know we've talked about this before, but the naming of the spinoff games is ridiculous. Like, I can't believe what they've, seriously, go look it up. Like, just type in Kingdom Hearts series, find a list, and read all the titles of the Kingdom Hearts games. You would be amazed at what some of these are called. And most of them aren't very good. I started with the very first one. They started out very simply named, like with Chains of Memories. Like, okay, that's cool. And I've always liked games that use a a title that ties into the system it's on, like Kirby Triple Deluxe. It's like, oh, that's funny because it's on the 3DS and it's 3D. And, you know, Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow is DS because it was on the DS. And... Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance doesn't mean anything, but there are 3Ds and it's on the 3DS. Like, that's the only thing that I like about the uh, Kingdom Hearts naming system is they did something really stupid to tie it in with the system naming conventions. Yeah, so I I did like Kingdom Hearts and I did like Kingdom Hearts 2. And because of that, I'm looking forward to Kingdom Hearts 3. I hope I don't have to have played all of the in-between spinoff games to understand where the story is for Kingdom Hearts 3, because that would be a major, like, you know, that would be a stumbling block. That would make me reconsider whether I pick that game up right away. That's me reading Wikipedia articles. Yeah, yeah, you could do that too. But again, that's Kingdom Hearts. It's another spinoff. Um... The, the other thing that's kind of interesting to think about right now is Final Fantasy XV because it has a bunch of tie-in games. They're not really spin-offs so much as they are uh, related well, to the main media. game. Yeah, tie-in media, exactly. So there's one tie-in game so far called Justice Monsters 5, and I tried Blech. it out. Bees tried it out. We both determined <laughs> that it is the worst of the worst free-to-play garbage. Like Garbage. I tr- Trash. I try basically every game that comes out that has Final Fantasy on the name, and the last three or four that have come out, they've been for mobile, and they've been free-to-play, and they've been pretty bad. Um, mm-hmm. Of those, Mobius is probably the best, although it's not great. It's it's the best. Out of all of those, Justice Monsters 5 is the worst. Like, I, I can't even recommend putting it on your phone to check it out because it's just not worth your time at all. And especially because you download it and you're like, okay, this could be cool. And then you have to download like a 1.3 gig patch the moment that you download it and open it up. And then you start playing it and it is legitimately mindless clicking on your screen until you run out of points and you have to start buying things in the microtransactions. There's no skill. There's nothing. You can just mindlessly tap your screen and it is the worst offender. I would say it's even less interesting than all the bravest, which is also just tap your screen as fast as possible. Um, but with that out of the way, um, we talked about Brotherhood a little bit, which is the anime that's slowly coming out on YouTube. And we talked about that in one of our weekly geekeries a few weeks ago. And I really like yeah. that. I love what that has done. It's made me actually interested in the characters from Final Fantasy 15. And what's really interesting to me is after watching all four of them, I like the main character, Noctis, even less than all the other supporting characters that I love his friends, but he is the least interesting of them, I think. And part of that is because he's a prince, you know, he's having to deal with all of this and he's kind of a generic stereotype. So I'm really looking to 15, looking forward to 15 so that we get more of an idea of what's going on with him, that I feel like the backstories in Brotherhood for all of his friends are fleshed out and they're going to be great, that Noctis is really going to shine in the game. Otherwise, he's going to be very bland. Well, and part of it is he's the protagonist. He's yeah. the one that you control. So they kind of want to live, leave him more of a blank slate so you can project yourself onto him as a character. That's true. They always do that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then we both have watched Kingsglaive, which if you don't know, that's the tie-in movie for Final Fantasy mm-hmm. 15. It's a full, like, it's, I think it's more than two hours. Yeah, and, it is. But it's a, yeah, it's a full-length movie. It's all CG. 
and it basically overlaps part of the game it's it's the beginning part we're not going to give away any spoilers here um it's from what i can tell towards the beginning part of the game and when like noctis is sent away from this main city in in the game where he's from you know that he's prince of this is kind of what's happening in the main city while he's away so it's something that won't you don't need to know all of it to play the game but it gives you extra context about what's happening in the world at the same time that final fantasy 15 is going on and that's why i really wanted to watch it and i felt that i i got that out of it so i liked my time with it well, and we'll probably talk about the movies a little bit more later on when we get to our reader responses, but Kingsglaive, to me, is the best of the movies so far. That it took me a little bit to get into it, but now, after watching it, I'm all in for 15. That I'm super interested in this world that I didn't know anything about, and that I think now is just fantastic, and I want to see what they're going to show me. Yes, I I will second your opinion i think that it is the best final fantasy movie which granted that's not a high bar to clear (laughs) that's true but it is still saying something um so so with that kind of spin-off stuff out of the way we'll gladly talk more about those in other episodes or if you guys want us to dive deeper good that's great but we're talking main series still so back to the main series um i wanted your thoughts on final fantasy mmos so there's really only two of them there's final fantasy 11 and final fantasy 14 and for me I wish that they had called them Final Fantasy Online yes. or some kind of spin-off name that did not put them in the main series because they just they don't feel like the rest of the main series. The main series has always been these single player games that are epic sprawling RPGs and when you mix it in with an MMO, it has such a different feeling. Like if I feel like they should be classified differently and it's always bugged me. Yeah, and the only reason I can even think of it, because I'm right with you on it, too, by the way, that I am right there. I said from the beginning they should have been Final Fantasy Online when Eleven launched. It's almost like they didn't think they were good enough games to make any money or get players on their own. So if they added them in as part of the main series, then they would be more likely to get players is the only marketing decision. It's a pure marketing decision from what I can tell. Like, I don't see any other reason to have done it like they did because they don't really advance anything in the series at all. They're just pulling from the rest of it. Yeah. And it actually feels like a step back in some ways. When you look at like 11 and 14 compared to some of the other games around them like they they have to pull back on some of the things that make final fantasy this compelling narrative because it's an mmo and that that's always just kind of irked me the other thing is that i would love to say that i've played through the entire mainline series which i basically have but i haven't played through 11 i mean i know there's no way to beat an mmo yeah so it's not like that's something that I absolutely have to do. But it still bugs me that I have one of the main number titles that I just absolutely hate to the point where I know I can never play it. You know, there's a rumor out there that they might come back around and do Final Fantasy XI again as some kind of single-player game. Uh They might, like, remaster it. And if they do that, I will try it. I will play it. I would love to have the last one kind of checked off. But, yeah, I I just... I'm not going to go back and play that one. But Final Fantasy XIV is really good. Yeah, it's it's probably one of... Yeah, it's one of the best MMOs that I've played, and I've tried a ton of MMOs. Um, I haven't played a lot of them to endgame, but I've tried many, many. And Final Fantasy XIV is one of the best, and it's actually a really good Final Fantasy game, even though it's hidden underneath all this (laughs) MMO stuff. And it doesn't even feel like, as like let's say Star Wars The Old Republic, where it feels like an MMO from the moment that you start it, just based on the mechanics and the way things work, that even though Final Fantasy XIV is an MMO, it has enough Final Fantasy just elements and conventions in there that it never really truly feels, it just feels different. It doesn't feel so hard, hardcore MMO, even though you're doing the same kinds of things. I loved being able to go around as a white mage throwing stone at things. I felt like I was playing a Final Fantasy. It is super polished. And the story isn't, like you said, the best in the series. And I don't particularly care for it because I believe I said it last time that I feel like the writers were trying too hard. It's that same kind of George R.R. Martin. They wanted it to be high fantasy, so they wrote it where a lot of it was using words that we don't use anymore. And I prefer conversational stuff. It, some people like it, Some and I just don't care for that part of 14 yeah and i don't think you've actually played all the way through the end game of the original content have you 
Yes, for the most part. The only part of the f- of 14 in the original end game that I didn't get to where I want to say the last three coils of Bahamut. Um, I was doing a little bit of raiding with my friends and trying to get through some of the content there, but I never got to the very, very highest, like last three wings of the dungeon they had out. And I haven't gone through Heaven's Word, so I can't say anything. I've heard that it gets much, much better. Oh, okay. I, I actually liked all of the content from like the post patches, like, you know, five right. point, I think it was, you know, it wouldn't have been five point something. It was like whatever the number was and then point five. Yeah, 2.5, I think. Through. Yeah. Um, I liked all the content from like point one, point two, point three, point four, and point five. I thought they were all really good and I enjoyed that part. I It's interesting that you just didn't like the language and it threw you off that much. Because it did. By, by that point, I felt invested in the story and I felt like I was part of this giant political nation on nation thing going on and i really liked it i liked the end game of that better than i liked the start of heaven's word i think they lost me at some point around carathis where it got so convoluted with like throwing you into the political aspects of it that i never cared about those houses and the stuff that they brought from ishgard when they were doing the stuff toward the very very end uh when they were wrapping it up I never cared from the beginning, so when they started bringing in even more, I just I just gave up on it. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I wonder what you'll think once you get around to Heaven's Word. Yeah, um, I know. Me too. But yeah, okay, so we have mixed feelings on the MMOs. What do you think about the old school Final Fantasy games? So I'm talking basically one through six, um, you know, Super Nintendo and the original Nintendo entertainment system. Like, how do you feel about those games? Because I think some hold up and some just don't. I think that they're fun to play, and I think that 4, 5, and 6 are... You can go back and play 4, 5, and 6 right now, and and it's going to be a wonderful experience the entire way through. But I think 1, 2, and 3 are, to me, I'm going to play them for a little while, and I'm going to experience them, and I'm not going to play them anymore because they seem like artifacts that got us to the point where we are now rather than a game I want to invest this many hours in now. Yes, I agree with you. Um, I would say 1, 2, and 3 are only for completionists of the series. People like me who basically played everything else and wanted to go back and get context for where the series started. And if you're in that boat, you will definitely get something out of those games if you go back and play them. But if you have never played the series before, if you're looking at a list trying to say, where should I jump in? Don't touch those first three games. Mm-mm. That's a bad idea. Terrible just, idea. Yeah, that's not a good place to start. But you're right. Four through six do hold up really well. And they've been remastered on a couple different platforms. Actually, let's talk about the remasters. Yeah. What do you think about like remasters, re-releases? There have been a lot of them. I think they're fantastic. I honestly think this is one of the best things that Square has done. And I've seen a lot of criticism for it in terms of putting resources at the company on remastering old games as opposed to putting out even more new ones. But these games are fun to go through. These are fun to play. And the remasters really do add a lot depending on which game you're playing. Like Final Fantasy IV got a full 3D remaster. I know Final Fantasy III did as well. With Final Fantasy VI, getting the all new uh, graphics and sprites and the art was just completely redone. I love the animations on it. Playing it on iPhone is great because it's so pretty now compared to the old one. That That's still really good and pretty for what it is, especially at the time. But man, these new sprites just look good to me. Yeah, I really like them too. I know a lot of people complain because basically because they had the nostalgia for like the original graphics and i understand that from a standpoint yeah but i didn't have that like i hadn't played four five and six before i played them on my phone like okay i played those those were some of the very last ones that i played you know for the first time yeah um and so I had no attachment to like what they used to look like or sound like or play like. I, I, you know, I've looked it up and basically everything they did for the iOS versions and, you know, and Android version. Right. And I think it's the same thing they used for the Steam versions. I love everything they did, like the remastered sprites, um, the new controls. Like, I really like touch controls, but that's maybe because I'm a parent and it's much <laughs> easier for me to always have a game in my pocket that I can just play on my phone. Um, I know that a lot of people 
have issues with the touch controls, I still just think it's a learning curve issue. Like if you're not afraid to give a couple hours to it, like you can adjust to it very quickly. I know you don't really like them. I hear you laughing slightly. I, I, I did. I did. Um, I, though I will admit spending more time with Final Fantasy VI on my phone, it is still installed and I do still play it. And I got more used to the touch controls on there that the Vita made me really give up on it for the time being but it's still there and i have every intention of finishing it out on my phone and once i got used to it it wasn't the best but i'll it's not as bad as i made it out to be at first i actually really like it i i think it's just a learning curve issue i think anybody if you're willing to give a couple hours to a little bit of frustration with controlling on a touch screen you will adjust to it and then you won't think about it for the rest of the game and you can just enjoy a final fantasy game on your phone or on your tablet or whatever so I will stand my ground for those. I, I really like playing one through six on my phone because I have little kids and it was amazing to be able to just like get out my phone whenever and make some progress. So I love that about like the remasters and I just yeah. like that they keep getting them on modern systems. I know a lot of people are like, why are they doing that with their resources? But I love that more people can play these games that we love, you know? Exactly. It's just it's getting it out there for more people, basically. And, and that's the thing. That's what really does it for me, because I've had so many people on Twitter since we've done this episode and even before talking about these games and where can I get it? You know, what do I need to play this on? And it's very easy just to say, oh, go download it on your phone. Even if you don't like the touch screen and that's your issue with it, I know that we've had some listeners say that, that they're in the same camp I am. It's still there and available that you can choose between whether you want the original one or if you want a handheld like the Vita with a remaster on there or on Steam on PC or mobile. That these games that are 20, 25 years old, you can just go out and get anywhere that you want legally for very, very small amounts of money. Yeah, it's fantastic. And then another thing I wanted to throw in here, um, and this is actually a listener question, but it tied in more to this discussion, so I kind of pulled it up into this episode. Um, Chocobachika, who is an avid listener, and we appreciate it, and you rock, she sure. asked us console versus mobile versus PC. And this kind of directly ties in. So for me, um, I played one through six on mobile, and I have an intention of going back and eventually playing seven and nine on maybe on mobile but more likely oh, okay. on my ipad so on a tablet um and then when i was playing through my whole series playthrough i did seven through ten on my vita and that was fantastic oh the final fantasy 10 remaster by the way guys the hd remaster it looks beautiful it's, Dude, it's really so really pretty. good oh guys y'all yeah y'all go buy vitas just to play 10 like that is it's so pretty i saw it in gamestop when it was brand new and that's what made me realize that the vita was a halfway worthwhile system because it was so pretty and now that i have one i realize it's a wonderfully worthwhile system but it is so unbelievably pretty y'all it is and then i played um 12 13 and 14 all on my pc so oh, okay 12 when i went to play it there was no good way to play it without getting out a ps2 which my ps2 kind of worked was kind of busted and mostly i didn't want to get it out of the closet and hook it up so what i ended up doing was i got a ps2 emulator but oh. i used my actual yeah i used my actual disc that i own so i wasn't you know pirating media but i just had um an emulator and then I used the disc. I actually think I ripped a ROM from the disc, but it was whatever. It was a disc that I owned. And I played it on my PC. And it was amazing. Like, if you don't know, Final Fantasy XII actually has a bunch of HD textures that you don't ever see because of the PlayStation 2. Like, the way that it processes them and displays them, um, once you run it through a PC emulator, it looks so much better that it's unbelievable. So, like, I'm going to stop you right here, and I'm going to be all like, hey, buddy, why don't you send me some links? Because I have my Final Fantasy XII PS2 disc, and for the exact same reason, I never played Twelve. I mean, we've talked about it last time about not liking the combat system, but the last time I tried was because I had hooked it up on my main TV on my PS2 and I couldn't see what was going on in some areas because the graphics on an HD TV were just too grainy. And I know that a lot of the remasters on Vita and the PS3 and PS4 have a bilinear filtering option that really runs it through and renders it better. So having that on the on a PS2 emulator, I didn't know that was a thing. Like I didn't know they uh, you could upgrade the graphics like that because the textures would 
would actually be the textures that they intended. That makes me really excited. Like, that's awesome. It's really good. So not only are the textures better and the gameplay smoother, but you actually have, if I remember right, it's been a little while. I think you actually see more things than are displayed on an old CRT screen, which is what the PS2 is for. Like you see more around the edges. So you actually have a bigger like playing window to look through. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, I would actually maybe just wait because the remaster is coming. (laughs) That's true. The remaster is coming soon. Yeah, I I looked into it and I was kind of hoping the remaster would be out by the time I got there in my playthrough and it wasn't even close. It wasn't officially announced yet. So I did the emulator and it it worked. And then for Final Fantasy 13, I have it on Xbox 360 because that's what I originally played it on. But when I was doing my replay through, I didn't want to get that out and hook that up again. It's in the back (laughs) of the closet again. So I just grabbed that on Steam because it was out on Steam. And I played the whole thing there with a 360 controller that I have linked to my Windows PC. And that was fantastic. I would do that again. And the thing is, at least all three of those are on Steam. I know that the 13, 13, 2 and Lightning Returns and they go on Steam sale a lot. And the same thing for the any of the other remasters if you watch steam sales and you watch the weekend sales and midweek madness and all of this if you're a pc gamer and you want these and you want them cheap then you can get all of these remasters these hd remasters for a couple of bucks that when steam does it and i know i got a lot of the ps1 remasters on vita for around two and a half dollars each because actually i think it was 234 each when they did a vita sale for most of the ps1 games so just they're everywhere for whatever whichever what system you want to play them on they are there yeah and i would i would keep an eye on those psn sales because that's how i got all of those ps1 classics on vita also for super super cheap like they go on sale all the time the only other thing like along these lines with her original question console versus mobile versus pc um for me console is the hardest thing to actually find time to play on because of my Mm. life right i have two little kids i work from home like i have a job i'm constantly kind of doing work because i can never really get away from it and then at night you know if the kids are down like a lot of time you know my wife is using the tv or we're doing something downstairs together like it's harder and harder to justify like taking the tv and booting up my console and just doing that for the night Whereas if I have a game on mobile or if I have a game on a handheld system or on my PC, it's something that I can like hang out downstairs near my wife and we'll be talking while we're doing other things and I can be playing. But, you know, if I'm on the console using our main TV in the living room, I'm kind of zoned in on that and Mm I am not paying as much attention to her. And I don't really like that. Like, that's I I know she doesn't care. Like, she's like, yeah, do what you want at night, you know, like do your own activities, be happy. But I really like that even if I'm doing my own thing, we're usually like one headphone off or one headphone out, you know, depending on earbuds. And we're like talking to each other throughout the night. That's really the way that we do it, too, that that I know we've talked in the past about how our our watching habits with Jennifer and me are pretty much the same. Like we watch the same TV shows. We watch the same movies that we line up almost exactly, except for Daredevil. She wants me to watch Daredevil alone because she just can't get into it. But that's another podcast. And we but everything we do like that is together and we only have one TV. So it's I have all any console is going to be hooked up to it. So it's really hard for me to take the TV and, you know, and she would be fine with it. She would mess around on her phone, read a book, do whatever. And we would be doing the same thing that y'all do. But for me, it's when I play video games, I'm making a decision to do that as opposed to another one of my hobbies. So I and not having kids or anything like that. I make a decision to do that, like I said. So I don't like it on mobile necessarily. Yeah, there's a touch controls, but it's also I like that comfort of being able to settle in with something. And while the console does it, I still feel guilty about hogging the TV whenever we could be spending time together or watching something that we both enjoy as opposed to something that I like to do. So I really like handheld consoles. The Vita was great, uh, is great. The 2DS 3DS for gaming on there or I do a lot of PC gaming because while I'm working or doing something there's a lot of times I'll have something that I'm tabbing between um probably much to my counselor's chagrin on this one I have a one monitor with an RPG or a video game 
in Overwatch whatever, and then on the other monitor I have 15 tabs open that I'm doing research and writing and doing some kind of uh, development or something on. So, I mean, I like PC for that kind of multitasking, but I like consoles, handheld consoles specifically, for the exact same reason that you like mobile, except I just like being comfortable hanging out with my wife and settling in as opposed to having to do it because of my kids. Yeah, and I like I like handheld consoles a lot. I'm really hoping that this is a tangent that I'm not going to go too far down, but I'm <laughs> really hoping that the NX is what it's been rumored to be, which is um, a handheld gaming system that will also dock and you can you know hook it up to mm-hmm. your TV if you want to, because I see myself using that. That would be perfect for me. I would probably spend 90% of the time using it in my own house as a handheld system. And then every yep. once in a while, when no one else is downstairs anyway, I would just throw it into the dock and play it on the big TV. But yeah, I really like the handheld consoles. If the Vita and PS4 remote play works well with Final Fantasy 15, that's something that I will probably be doing is playing Final Fantasy 15 on the Vita as opposed to actually on the big TV on the PS4 if the streaming works okay. The main thing with the Vita remote play is how often you have to use L2 and R2. If you don't have to use them very often, you are fine. If you do have to use them a lot, then you better help that they actually did like remapping of the Vita controls. Otherwise, it becomes a pain so fast. I could totally Uh, see that. Yeah. Okay. Um. Move on to some of our favorites and least favorite things. Um. Let's start with (laughs) just get it out of the way. What's our least favorite Final Fantasy? How about you? Oh, three. Three made me stop playing JRPGs as a genre. Um, I I just do not like three at all. I got so burned out on it because, like we talked about last week, it is just it's just so grindy and generic and just uh, that I just stopped. And I was like, man, all these games. Mm-mm, I'm gonna go back to MMOs. There ain't there ain't no time for this. <laughs> so for me it's not a surprise because i mentioned it last week but three is also my least favorite um it is poorly paced it has a crippled job system if you compare it to any of the other job systems that exist in the entire series and it has really really bad player messaging like worse than any other game in the series just trying to figure out what the next thing you're supposed to do is sometimes so obscure that if you don't have a guide you will go insane like yeah there's at one point where you have to cast, I can't remember if it's like mini or frog on yourself, and there's like no way to know that you should hamper your own party with a status effect to make it into the next area. It's just dumb. Like, and I mean, that's just one example, but there are tons and tons of examples of just bad messaging in that game, things that you'll get caught up on. Like, just don't play Final Fantasy 3 unless it's your absolute last one and you're trying to complete the series. Like, just and- stay away from it. And we are talking about actual Final Fantasy 3, not Final Fantasy 6 that was released as 3 in the United States. Because that Final Fantasy 3 is fantastic and wonderful, and you should play it absolutely as soon as you can. But that's Final Fantasy 6. Right, um, okay, that's Final Fantasy 6. So let's jump over to our favorite Final Fantasy. I think everyone knows for both of us that it's 9. Yeah, 9. I think if you've watched my Twitter feed over the last like month, maybe three weeks, you will understand that it's Final Fantasy 9 because I've talked about it a lot. And on here, too. I love Final Fantasy 9. Yeah, and I talked about it a lot last week when we were hitting the whole series, so listen to that episode if you haven't already. But basically... I love 9 because it harkens back to all eight main games before it, and it takes everything it learned from that and makes it into one really, really awesome game. Besides that, I will say my favorite opening to a Final Fantasy game is in Final Fantasy VIII. I love that intro video so much. Like, I've never gotten sick of it, and every once in a while, I'll just pull it up on YouTube to rewatch it. Um, It's probably one of my favorite pieces of music in the Final Fantasy series, and it's definitely my favorite intro. Now, I'm going to have to go back and watch that. Thank you. And didn't you say that you also had like Final Fantasy V is like really up there for you? Oh, Final Fantasy V is a great game, and I love it. You do the four-job fiesta. You've played it through way more than I have, but Final Fantasy V was not a release in the United States. So when I first got on the internet, and I want to say this was around like 14 years old, I was on the internet for a couple of years, I found out that there were Super Nintendo emulators out there. And I was like, yay, this is great. And then I realized that there were fan translations 
of the Japanese Final Fantasy V, so I searched out the best of them and played through Final Fantasy V as a fan translation where they had modified the ROM and played it before it was available in the United States. So for me, the trouble that I had to go through to play it on a on an emulator sitting in my dining room on a Packard Bell PC and and if you, I don't know if you remember from emulators back in the day where you had to adjust the layers to make sure that you could see everything because the emulators didn't <laughs> work well. So like if there was fog or anything or clouds that they were doing for a visual effect, sometimes you had to like turn off different layers to make sure that everything worked and that collision detection worked. Like I had to go through all of this to get through five, but because it wasn't available in English, I did it. And man, I love that game because of it cool yeah it holds a special place i can see that takes a lot of dedication um how about villain what is your favorite villain in the series i had a lot of trouble coming up with an answer to this one i i don't like most of the villains i guess it would be cypher from eight because like he's just another dude and i mean he's not like this megalomaniacal like crazy person like kefka but i mean not many of the villains sephiroth included from seven they don't really interest me for the most part there's nothing that really makes them there's nothing that really makes me want to invest in them even right now i'm playing through nine and kuja i don't care about the stuff that's going on with him i just want to know what's going on with the characters i care about for the for some reason final fantasy doesn't make me care about the villains as much as i think it should Yep, and this is why I had so much trouble. This is the only question out of these when I was writing down, you know, let's talk about favorites and least favorites. This is the only question that I wrote down, and then I actually had to stop and, like, really, really think hard to come up with any kind of answer. So here's kind of my thought process I went through. Um, (laughs) X-Death is a tree, so... (laughs) it gets me every time. If you guys don't know, X-Death is the main villain in Final Fantasy V, and he's he's a tree in the end. He's just a tree. Like, I don't... Ugh. I mean, I know. I've played it. I understand the story. But still, it's you have a tree for a villain. Um, it's like Kef- if Night Shyamalan wrote it or something. Uh, so, Kefka, I was thinking maybe... But it, I just... I don't have that nostalgic, like, attachment to Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. Um, I... I like him as a villain compared to the rest of the series, but I don't like him as much as other people do. I could make an argument for Seifer, like you were talking about. Yeah. He's he's a consistent rival for Squall, and he has interesting motivations beyond I'm evil, which a lot of the villains are just straight up I'm evil. You yeah. Know, because he's not. He's a reflection of Squall in a way, and he's kind of a mirror of Squall, and he has his own interests. He has his own motivations a lot more than just, you know, see the world burn, which is what yeah. a lot of these villains end up doing. Um, but still, that's it's kind of uh, he's still an okay villain. He's not fantastic. Yeah, I finally landed on. I think I have to pick Beatrix. She's an adult and she's just doing her job the best she can with the information she has. And because of that, I can relate to her, even though she's like a minor villain, right? She's not the be all end all. She's just like a queen's guard, basically. Yeah. I think I can identify with her better than basically any of the main villains in the entire series which is kind of sad but yeah if i have to pick one i'm gonna say beatrix is actually my favorite villain in the series as much as she is a villain and i totally understand that because playing through the first couple of discs of final fantasy 9 she's there and you're seeing her as a human being that you see her questioning what she's doing but still following what she has signed up for and the things that you know that she believes in it's you're right Beatrix is really cool and I didn't even remember her from Final Fantasy 9 yeah I actually had to sit down and start listing out villains to come up with a decent list here so that those were kind of the ones as I was getting towards the end that I actually worked through so now you guys know what I was thinking when I was (laughs) jotting those down we're in your head yeah but what about characters in general what are your favorite characters Okay, so when I was a kid, it was Shadow from Final Fantasy VI because he was a ninja. And that was the coolest thing in the world. I could have a ninja and he threw shurikens and he did all sorts of really cool things. And he had a dog. And I was like, oh my goodness, I have to be a ninja. And so I loved him. But the older I've gotten, when I played Final Fantasy IX, it's Vivi. Oh my goodness, Vivi. He's the first video game character that made me cry. You know, 15 years later or so, 16 years later, going back through this game... 
I'm still, knowing what happens, still super, like, bummed out as he's going through this journey. And I'm like, man, Vivi, dude. And I've always loved Vincent from Seven because he was, you know, he had a gun. He was kind of this vampire dude. He was just cool looking. I didn't care anything about his story. And then I liked Auron in Ten. But starting back the Final Fantasy X remaster, it's almost like he is so melodramatic and over the top that <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not sure how I'm going to like him on the playthrough as I go through this time like I did last time. Yeah, he's not as interesting the second time around. If you're an adult, you see things from a different angle. Right. Um, for me, like if you were to ask me this question, who's my favorite character? When I was a teenager, it would have been easy because it was all the protagonists, right? You just go mm. Cloud, Squall, Titus, like no problem. But never Zidane. He's uh, I like not... Zidane too. I probably would have said uh. Zidane back in the day. But now, like if you have to ask me and I actually have to come up with one answer, it's probably going to be Vivi. Vivi is awesome for yes. many reasons. And he's in my favorite Final Fantasy. He makes nine so good. I mean, all the characters do together, but he plays such a key part in it. But overall, just thinking through this one, I realized that I'm a lot more drawn towards the adult characters now, and they're not really the protagonists. Um, so I'm thinking like Celis, Quistus, Freya, Arin, uh, Bosk, Von Rosenberg, uh, Saz, and a lot of the time, like the Sid characters. Yeah. I, yeah. So it's just like the characters that are actually more adult. And I say more adult because if you ever actually go look up their ages, these characters are never older than like 30 at the most, you know? Yeah, like, which is just, I think Oren is older, actually. I think he's supposed yeah, to be much maybe. older. A lot of the time they go, oh, that's the old character in the group. And you look it up and they're like 25. And they're like, yeah. oh, that old man. It's just like, I wish that they would realize so much of their fan base is now adults. Like we don't need teenage protagonists. Mm -mm. You know, that's what that's what made me hate 12 because they shoehorned it in there. But we talked about that. Last well, week. that was one of the things that made me really happy when I was watching Final Fantasy XV Brotherhood that I can't remember his name now. Is it? It's Gladi... Gladio? Gladi... Gladius? Gladius? I... He's older. Like, he is, a, he is a good 15 to 20 years older than Noct is. And because he was he was his trainer. He was one of his teachers and a guard. Like, he was a full adult when, when Noct was a kid. So I like that, that he is older and still involved. And Ignis is as well. That a couple of these characters are older than the, you know, early 20-somethings that, that uh, Prompto and Noctis are. Yeah, I like that a lot, too. And it doesn't seem like... It seems like all of the characters for 15 are in their 20s. It doesn't seem like mm -hmm. any of them are like, oh, here, we have a 17-year-old again. Like, you know, yeah. we can move beyond that now. What Luna about Freya. Yeah, yeah, maybe. She seems uh, we'll see. younger. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see when we actually play the game. Um, How about your least favorite character? Oh, my God, Hope. Hope, hope, hope. Hope, hope, hope. Hope from 13. Hope I want to, like, like punch that kid in the forehead over and over. Hope. Okay, well said. Um, I didn't actually... <laughs> I didn't actually have a least favorite character. I just know that you needed to vent a little bit about hope. So now that that's out of the way, what are your favorite <laughs> scenes from Final Fantasy? Just like overall scenes from any of them. Okay. So in Final Fantasy IX, Vivi gets to the Black Mage village for the very first time when he finds, spoiler alert, that there is a Black Mage village, uh, like I said, of sentient, basically automatons. And there's a scene where a couple of them have died and they're just talking about death and it is emotional and well-written. And all of a sudden, as a player, you feel way more than you thought you would for these, what up to this point had been portrayed as mindless villains. And I love that, that all of a sudden you have someone who has become aware of death. And I just thought it was so well done. That is probably my favorite scene of any Final Fantasy. And going back through, it's 
still held up. I know I sent, I actually think I tweeted a picture of it when I got there. I took, I stopped my Vita and took a photo of it. Yeah, um, I saw that. I also love Final Fantasy IX when Alexander comes and protects Alexandria from Bahamut, that it is just awesome. It is beautiful. It was a beautiful cutscene when I was a teenager, and it's a beautiful cutscene when I'm an adult teenager, and it, I just love it. And then, you know, I really like it when Sephiroth kills Eris in Final Fantasy VII. Like, I really like it. I don't know why, but I wasn't, I didn't care that much about her when I played through it. So when he killed her, I was like, all right, cool. That was a good scene. Like, they did, <laughs> they did a good job with that. I think, like, that, that one's not even in my list, but I think that was one of the first times I realized that video games could be emotional. Like, they yeah. could actually trigger your emotions. Um, I remember thinking that was very poignant as a teenager. And then when I went back and played through it as an adult, it's it's laughable in a few different ways, but it's yeah. classic nonetheless. Um, for me, my favorites, I already talked about the opening to Final Fantasy VIII. That one is one of my favorite scenes. Just that whole cutscene, it sets a tone for the game and it gives you an idea of who Squall and Seifer are before you even like touch the control, which is yep. it's just amazing. I also think that the ending of Final Fantasy IX is really good. Not the the massive battle ending, but the ending where Zidane comes back and he's in the troop who's putting on the play mm-hmm. um, of I Want to Be Your Canary and like Princess Garnett doesn't realize it until he like whips off the cloak and she goes running to him. So it's like the very last scene of the ending. I love that scene. I always have. I think that one's fantastic. And then the other one, and it surprised me that this is so up there for me, but thinking it through, I really like the opera scene from Final yeah. Fantasy VI, the Maria and Draco opera. It's it's just so well done. Like, if they ever remade Six, which I still think would be fantastic, that scene would blow you away. Like, yes. if that was... They actually have a full opera version with people singing it and an entire orchestra behind it, and... I will link to that one. I actually have a link sitting here ready to go for the show notes. I think that version is fantastic. And I would love to see this just remastered because it could have so much dramatic impact. Even with like the pixels and the sprites, I still think it has dramatic impact. Mm -hmm. But that's something that eventually I want that six remake. I I just think it would be fantastic. And that's one of those scenes that I remember as a kid reading about in magazines and my friends talking about that that was the first scene that I remember. Like you had mentioned that Sephiroth killing Eris was one of the ones where you you noticed that video games could, you know, elicit emotions from people. That's the way that the opera was, that it was just this kind of just impactful, just wonderful scene for especially at that point in the game and you're right it is i've never heard the it's brilliant and i've never heard the actual full-on orchestration of it so i'm gonna listen to it and i didn't play six until about a year and a half ago and so it still holds up like i i had no nostalgia towards it i didn't know what it was going into it and it definitely made me stop and really appreciate it so that scene is way up there for me also i would like to point out for the listeners that he's talking about the music in these games and he doesn't listen to music in games so you have to know that that the opening to final fantasy 8 and the uh the opera in final fantasy 6 are magnificent songs for void to take his podcasts off and listen to them this is true okay one last question before we break for Weekly Geekery um, and break into the next show for more Final Fantasy. So we had this in our show notes, but then we also had a few different listeners ask, we were going to talk about what's the best place to start for newbies in the Final Fantasy series. And then they didn't know that we already had it in the notes, but we also got a similar question from Chris Evans 17 on Twitter, who's an avid listener, and Destin Lee on Twitter. So we have to cover this one, even though it's a listener question also. What do you think? I tend to tell people six because of the story. That it is, like we talked about last week, that that kind of epic sprawling story that that goes across a lot of different characters with no central protagonist. I tell people that one because it is such a classic. But if they don't want to invest that kind of time in in such a serious game, I tend to tell them four because it's a little easier to get. 
get into. It's more of a simple narrative that, that if they're they're traditional fantasy fans to start with four. I mean, but if they're the kind of person who doesn't like retro gaming very much, playing Final Fantasy X is not bad because it has the voice acting and the sphere grid is still interesting and the story is very good. And I've heard such wonderful things about people who actually started with the remaster going through it. So, I mean, any of those three really would be the best start because I wouldn't suggest nine, even though I love it so much because it does call back to so many of them that what is so wonderful about it, if you've never played any of them, you might miss out on. And the same for eight that I love eight, but it's not a good place to start. Yeah, I always say 10. 10 is my go-to if someone's asking me, where do I start with Final Fantasy? Um, And I know no other context about the person. Mm -hmm. 10 is what I recommend. It gives you a really good taste of like the core of what the single player massive RPG experience is, but it's entirely 3D. It has a lot of modern conveniences to it. Um, It has HD graphics. There's voice acting. There are all these things that make it more approachable. So if you really have no context for JRPGs or RPGs or old school games or Final Fantasy, 10 is the best place to just jump on board. And the other thing with 10 is that it's out there a bunch of places with the remaster. You can now Mm -hmm. get it. You can go get, you know, an original one for PlayStation 2, or you can go get the remaster on Vita or PlayStation 4 and also PS3, I think, I want to say. It's it's out there. You can get Final Fantasy X. But if I know a little bit more about the person or what they're looking for, sometimes I will recommend 4 or 6 for the story, depending on what kind of person they are. Yeah. Um, and I would recommend that either on the Vita or on mobile, just depending on what system they prefer. Either one is fine. Or if there's someone who I know they are very systems driven and they want to get into like um, a customizable progression battle system, I will often recommend five because it's just the most solid job system that they've done, basically. This is for you, kid free weekend. Yes, exactly. I gave finger guns, but you couldn't see them. (laughs) So five is really good if you just want to get your hands into systems and play around with jobs and mix and match and try out different combos and really see if you can like twist it and break it um it it still holds up very well for that it does the main thing that i (laughs) tell people do not start with seven do not like this is where the hate mail comes in it's the one where that most people know right Mm -hmm. like it is the most famous final fantasies final fantasy seven it's mythological in proportions now yes don't start with seven it has not. not aged well like it just i i understand why it can be people's favorites I know what's cool about seven, but if you start on seven, I can see you getting turned off from the series forever. Like, yes, it's just not a good place to start. And part of the reason is that there's better writing in other games, that there's a lot of really cliche writing in seven. That is, I mean, and I like seven. I like seven a lot. I'm going to be replaying seven fairly soon. But the writing is not up to the standards of, say, 9 or or 6 or 10. And the graphics are first-generation PlayStation graphics, which means that you don't have a whole lot of detail outside of the pre-rendered backgrounds. And the battle system, compared to some of the others, is incredibly simple. The materia system is great, and I have fun with it, and the summons are super cool, but it lacks a lot of the modern conveniences like cutting off summon animations and things like that and a lot of intricate details with battles which is just customizing your materia so i think that going back and playing seven is great but please don't start there yeah once you have a wider context for the series seven is really cool because of what it did for the genre and the series and just gaming in general but not not the best place to start with that said we're going to jump over to our weekly geekery Um, And we'll be back next week with the rest of Final Fantasy. We're going to do all of our listener questions in one go, basically. So Weekly Geekery, if you don't know, it's where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. What do you got this week? I have watched a lot of Mr. Robot that I discovered this while I was sick a few weeks ago. And I've been keeping up with it since it's still airing right now. It has a very silly name. 
I was avoiding this show because it has a very, very silly name. And I thought it was something like Robot Chicken. And I couldn't have been way more wrong than I was. It's basically Fight Club with hackers. And I absolutely adore it. I really need to watch that show. I've heard so many good things. And everything I've heard about it makes me think it's a show that I would like. It, it is tech. The tech in it is very, very realistic that you'd see them using Linux. You see them talking about different kinds of commands that they're using. And I've had to I've gone and Googled some of the commands that when it's when it goes in on what they're hacking, I don't know what those Unix commands are. So I'm looking them up to see exactly what they're doing. I'll pause it and go to the internet to see. And I think that's fantastic because it actually shows what hacking. And I mean, I understand that it's still fictional, but they, they do a good job of making it look like what hacking actually is going in on the command line and having to be this good with, with your skills, as opposed to basically playing a video game in 3d, on a floating holographic screen where you reach into a file system and grab it with your hands and pull it out. Like, that's ridiculous. And Mr. Robot really, really, really does it well. Cool. Yep, That that's definitely on my list for shows to watch. I got to get around to that it's one. super good. Um, for me, it was more Gamefly games. My parade of Gamefly continues. And this week I had Persona 4 Dancing All Night come through. <laughs> it's it's actually um, a pretty solid rhythm game if you're into rhythm games, which I am. But the setting of it just threw me off. Like the actual story and the setting is in like, um, what's it called? The idol culture in Japan, okay. which if you don't know, idol culture in Japan is basically equivalent to to western boy band culture except for for girls so it's like the pop star girls in tokyo and in japan are idols is what they call them just like we would you know think of boy bands here and (laughs) the whole thing is based around that and it's just not a setting that i'm interested in at all like i gave it a shot i tried i tried to buy into it because i love persona 4 golden so much i just i couldn't so i sent that one back um but if you're into that and you like Persona 4 and you like rhythm games, if all of those things merge within you, um, go grab it because it's it's like a perfect balance of all of those things. It's just not for me. And then I also grabbed the Uncharted collection. Mm, and I really okay. have always wanted to like Uncharted. I've watched other people play. I've played plenty of demos. I thought maybe finally if I get my hands on it, I will like it if I can just sit down and like get into one of the games. I, I couldn't do it. Like the big set piece action sequences are really cool but so much of the game is just generic generic Mm -hmm. like the shooting doesn't feel good the climbing and the jumping doesn't feel good like the platforming doesn't feel good the core gameplay doesn't feel good but it has these really cool giant set pieces and when you're in the middle of one of those it's fun for a while yes so I just I think if I ever want to understand the Uncharted series, I'm better off just going and watching a Let's Play of it because I got so bored with every one. I tried every one, guys. I got at least 15% into each of the three games just to really give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And there were parts that I really liked, and those were the big set pieces. And after that, I was just so frustrated with how generic it felt. I, I can't believe those are hold, held up like the way they are but that's the same way that i played them too i did the exact same things where they start out so wonderfully with these big epic action sequences and then i start playing and it's like on board and then i go back and i play or i play the next like this one has to get better in uncharted 2 and it's the exact same thing and the same thing in three and i haven't played four but i'm going to assume it's the same way and i'm assuming it's the same way on the vita yeah, so those weren't for me. Um, and then I also gave the Battlefield 1 beta a shot because that's oh, okay. been going on. And it's another Battlefield game. Like, oh, if, you, okay. if you like Battlefield games, you will like this one. It, it really doesn't feel like a World War One game at all, which I was okay. hoping it would slant more towards that one that way because World War One is fascinating yet horrible. Yes. But, but still fascinating. Speaking of which, if you've never listened to Blueprint for Armageddon or no. Blueprint of Armageddon... um. It's Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, which is one of the best podcasts out there. Um, Blueprint for Armageddon is a series. It's like five or six episodes. Each one is four or five hours. So oh. they're massive. And it's all about all of World War One. 
and it is unbelievable. Like I've heard I, so many good things about that podcast. So that that's awesome. I never understood World War One as much as I do now until I listened to Blueprint for Armageddon because it's just so amazingly well done. But Battlefield One feels like Battlefield. Like it, it's another mm. Battlefield game. If you like Battlefield, you will like it. You will have fun. That's awesome. If you don't then you're probably not going to get it. I'm glad I played the beta because now I know I'm not going to pick it up. It's just I'm not that into Battlefield, but now I know. And then the other thing that I did this week is Captain America Civil War came out and I watched it for the second time now that I have it at home and I can watch it whenever I want. And it's really good. Like, it's even better the second time. I think it might be my favorite Marvel movie. Like, wow, that is that is saying something. Yeah, I really think that it might be. I need to watch it a few more times and give it some more space. I wanted to say that after I walked out of the theater when I watched it initially, but I always have that rush of the last thing I watched in a series. Mm-hmm. Of course, that was the best thing. Yeah. So I, I have to be more careful with that from now on. Like, you know, it can't always be the latest thing is the best thing because that's not the case long term yeah. when you look back at it. And I'm I'm starting to feel that way about the force awakens i really liked that but i have a feeling that episode eight and nine are going to be more interesting as they get more away from Mm -hmm. like the old format but in terms of marvel i think civil war is such a huge payoff for so much that came before it and it feels so earned that yes it does it's just amazing it's amazing and it introduces two new characters and it has an interesting plot throughout it like i think it's my favorite give me a little more time and i'll let you know and for those of you who are new listeners or want to go back, we did an entire podcast on Civil War that you can find in our archives that I will link to in the show notes. Yes, indeed. Um, as always, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. And if you want to get email updates about any of our network's podcasts, you can sign up at geek2geekcast.net and tell us which shows you want updates about. I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom, that's green mushroom without the E's, on Twitter. I also run the Video Game News Now podcast. If you're interested in gaming headline news done quickly, you can check us out in all the podcast places. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beege, and I host the Geek Fitness Health Hacks podcast and blog at geekfitness.net, and I have some sci-fi and steampunk novels at bjkeaton.com. We've been Void and Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geekies. Bye, geekies.